Welcome to The Emily Osmond Show. I'm your host, Emily Osmond, an online marketing educator, leader of an incredible global community of female entrepreneurs and a content creator based in Melbourne, Australia. This show is designed to bring you practical strategies and candid real stories of entrepreneurs to help you make marketing, mindset and money your superpowers. Let's get into the show. Welcome back to the show. Now, quick question. When it comes to using Instagram to market your business, does it kind of feel like sometimes you're wasting a lot of time and energy on posts that really go nowhere? And some days it might feel like you're just scrambling to get something, really anything out there. And when you do hit publish, you get crickets, which kind of makes you feel like you're talking to yourself. Or maybe other days you're spending hours trying to think of a topic or caption only to second guess it so much that you just discard it entirely. The fact is, you know, you've got lots to offer. You really do. But right now you're probably just not being seen or found because you maybe don't know what to post or really how to connect with the right people and then to turn those connections into sales. Well, my friend, I have a solution for you. In one week's time, so on the 9th of February, and that's at 9am in Melbourne, Sydney time, I'm running a free online workshop and I would love for you to come and join. I've spent the last six years working with small business owners to help them build their brand and turn that into sales on Instagram. Instead of wasting a lot of time sharing content that really does nothing for their business. We've seen clients like the amazing Carla, an online e-commerce store owner whose sales from Instagram alone increased by 776% in one month. And beautiful Michelle, who's a bra fit specialist, she doubled her client bookings in one month just from Instagram alone. And also Laura, who's an online fitness trainer and in one month attracted 397 new followers and doubled her monthly revenue. So you might be thinking, Emily, I want a slice of that pie. I want what they're having. Well, come along next week to the free online workshop. It's going to be fun and informative and I'll step you through how to build your brand your engagement and your sales using Instagram. And don't worry, it doesn't involve needing tens of thousands of followers to see any results. Now, I'm also going to be doing some live Instagram audits during the class. So after you register, make sure you show up live for a chance to get direct feedback on the key changes to make to your Instagram. To register, go to emilyosmond.com forward slash free. That's emilyosmond.com com forward slash free. I can't wait to see you there. On to today's guest on the show. She's the incredible Courtney Mangan. She's the owner of multiple successful businesses, PR agency Spin & Co., the podcasting network, The Spin Studio Network. And more recently, she launched her own stationery company called Courtney Mangan Co., along with her podcast called She Was the Fire. But If that wasn't all, Courtney is also undergoing cancer treatment after her world was flipped upside down at age just 30 years old. She was told that she had skin cancer. 
She's known as being a queen of productivity. And in this episode, she shares her lessons and advice for making the most of every day, taking action and making bold moves. You can find Courtney on Instagram at Courtney Mangan. Let's bring her on to the show. Well, Courtney, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Emily. I'm very excited. Me too. Me too. For those that don't know you, haven't come across you before, please tell us who are you and what is it that you do? Um, So my name is Courtney Mangan and I'm a Gold Coast business owner. So I have a couple of different businesses. So we have a branding business called Spin & Co. We have a podcast network called The Spin Studio. And then I've recently launched like my own side hustle with a stationary line. So yeah, I'm 34 years old. And I guess the other thing that's happening with me is I'm currently going through cancer treatment. So yeah, I guess that's who I am. Is that my elevator pitch? I'm not sure. (laughs) Gosh, so much happening, so much happening. And I'm so sorry to hear about your cancer diagnosis as well. That was just, that's pretty recent. Is that right? That it's, it could, it took a bit of a turn for you? Yeah. So originally I had um, a melanoma that they found about three years ago. That was like a mole that was like not great. It was a level four, but they cut it out and everything was fine. And then pretty much this time, it's my anniversary this week, actually, of finding out that I had stage 3B cancer. And then in April, I got the all clear, like the surgery and the treatment was all working. I had no cancer anymore. And so I still have to continue with my treatment for the year to make sure that, you know, it doesn't come back. But with this kind of cancer, it's like it takes five years for you to get the full all clear because it can kind of sneak back up on you at any time. But at the moment, there's no cancer in my body, so that's exciting. <laughs> and how does your like? How do you feel? Does it just, with your treatment and everything? Are you? Does it make you feel exhausted? Like, what does that kind of look like? Yeah. So with uh, melanoma. I'm- Uh, chemotherapy doesn't actually work. So they have something called immunotherapy, which is a fairly recent in terms of cancer treatment kind of treatment. And so it's nowhere near as taxing on the body as what chemotherapy is. However, there are still side effects. So I do, it gets to like 3 p.m. and I'm like basically asleep. And I feel like a bit like an 80 year old, like my, my joints are quite sore all the time. And it's just like, I'm a bit slower. So I, like if say I'm writing captions for Instagram, it takes me like double the time to think of things. Like you just can't, like your brain doesn't fire as fast and you have like a really bad short-term memory because of it. So there's a whole bunch of things, but it's better than, you know, dying of cancer. So we'll just handle that. <laughs> Gosh, thank you for sharing that with us as well. And uh, I'm so happy that you've you kind of got that, got that first all clear as well. Thank goodness. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, Courtney, you, you were just like, Oh, incredible with your businesses. I want to hear like, where did these come from? Because your first business or the one that I know of today is your branding PR business, Spinning Co. Was that the first business that you ever created or where, and where did that come from? Well, I own Spin & Co. with my brother, Sam, who is my younger brother. And I think we had two businesses before that, just as like when we were really young, like Sam was literally like 17. We had a business where we were doing um, website design for people. And he had a couple of different business. He like when he was 12 started a business selling glow sticks to like school fates. Like he's like a real entrepreneur. So after a few years of having these different businesses where the model like a website design was like you do something for the client and then they kind of go away, 
he was sort of seeking a business that, you know, the idea of the retainer where it was like you keep the client so you're not constantly hunting for clients. And I had just studied PR at university and then after that we sort of both worked on this Merrill campaign for like a local friend on the Gold Coast. And Sam was, he's just a really good networker and so he'd made all these connections yes. and he was like, tell me about PR, this degree you have. So he has a degree in law. Um, wow. But he was like, I really like the idea of this retainer model and he's just like a great networker, can like say anything and sell ice to Eskimos. So he's like, let's give this a whirl. So that's what we've done. And then we just, over the years, it's sort of just grown more into branding rather than just PR. So that's kind of how Spin & Co started. What does the branding look like? Can you tell us, because I know branding can mean like lots of different things. What do you guys specialize in? It's very different for every different client that we have. So we can have, you know, clients like AMP Capital who are like that very sort of serious client. And then we also represent James Charles, who is like, you know, one of the biggest beauty YouTubers in the world that looks very different. But we we do like a whole cross-section of things. It can be always that traditional PR that's like get your name in the paper. It could be PR send-outs for um, to get influencers to post about your brand. So we work with Gymshark is one of our clients too, who's a big athleisure wear company and we send out to lots of influencers for them. So it's about getting that coverage for them online. We do events, we do digital marketing, we do social content. Um, there's just like a whole range of different things, marketing, therapy, you know, the usual for clients. <laughs> <laughs> therapy. <laughs> Always important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're pretty much full service here. We have in-house like a whole production team. We have a graphic designer. So we try to do over the years, we've just tried to actually have those departments with in our company so we can be like full service with everything we offer. So cool. So cool. And I love chatting with um, one of your amazing clients, Emily Sky, on the podcast as well. So, yes, so Emily's cool. Yes, Emily I think one of our very, very early clients. She was one of our first ones. So it's really I'd love nice what, to still have her with us. She's yeah. a dear friend now. Oh, and I'd love to hear about those early days. Like what did those look like? What, do, you, do you kind of look back and see, you know, that was our first first full-time year in business, yourself and Sam. I'd love to hear what did that look like and were you like trying to make ends meet? Well, I don't know, working on different jobs. <laughs> well, Sam quit his job first. So Sam's five years younger than me. So the risk for him was a lot smaller given that I was a bit older. So I stayed on working full-time and just saving and saving and saving. So I was in the position to be able to quit my job. He started full-time on $500 a month. That was our first client. And yeah. we both had like moved back in home to stay there yeah. to really save money. <laughs> um, and so, and then when I finally left my job, I still went, I think it was like three or four months without taking any money out of the business, just eating into my savings, saving savings just to like make it work. But yeah, we were working out of our parents' house. So basically our bedrooms and we have to go to clients. They could never come to us. So we <laughs> yeah, have to meet like, them in coffee shops. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, welcome to my bedroom, you know. <laughs> So there's a bit of smoke and mirrors at the start there. <laughs> Sam really believed in our skill set and even though we'd never done things before, he was like, yep, we can do that and we'll make it work. So that was it was just a lot of that kind of like mentality where it was like, you know, we believe in ourselves, we think we can do it, we'll take the client and make it work and, you know, do that along the way and pick up the skills as we go. It sounds as though you guys are a great partnership as well. And I love that you said he he was kind of the one that was like, you know, we've got this, we can do this. Did you ever come across like mindset challenges there? Were there things that you you struggled with? 
Yeah, definitely. And I don't know if it's, um, you know, I don't like to stereotype too much, but I do think that sometimes men and women can take on risks differently. Um, and for me, I was very, I'm very conservative and I'm not very a big risk taker and I'm always like measuring the pros and cons. And, you know, I'm like, oh, do we know what we're doing? Should I be doing that? Should I quit my job? How much money is it? I don't know what to do. You know, and then Sam's just like, he has this mentality. It's, it's actually a good example is, say, for example, you know, there's been years where it has been difficult and, you know, we've had to like, you know, figure out like money and everything like that. And he, I would say like, okay, well, where can we cut back costs? And he would say, where can we make more money? So that's always like, that's actually the difference of like how we both work. And so, I mean, I've always said, I'm not the entrepreneur. Sam is the one that's like, really, he's, if I hadn't have started a business with Sam, I'd still be like working for someone in like some sort of a management role. And then it's taken me like sort of this long now for me to go like, oh, maybe I can do my own thing. And I've launched my side hustle with my stationery. But yeah, it definitely has been a challenge because I'm not naturally a risk taker like that. You know, I like the security of the nine to five job. You know, you're going to get your wage all the time and it's never secure with a business. And then also, you know, we have our parents work for us. So it's a full family business. They work for you. Yeah. What do I love? To hear the roles. What do what do what does everyone do? <laughs> Dad's in charge of like our warehouse. So we have another company that Sam owns with actually Emily Sky and I'm the creative director for called James Cosmetics. And so Dad's in charge of basically I love how you're like, oh, and the then we then we've got this other company. <laughs> yeah, this is another <laughs> this thing. This is there. why I'm like, you're just amazing. I'm so excited to to chat what this all looks like. Yeah, so dad's in charge of the warehouse there and dispatch and then mum is in charge of that sort of wholesale side of the business and also she kind of like does like office management around here too, like just reception, looking after like when the talent come in and all that kind of stuff as well. So yeah, it's interesting having family so close (laughs) by, but it also adds that extra risk as well where it's like, you know, if this all goes balls up, the whole family is screwed, you know, so we've got to make it work. (laughs) What were your parents doing previously? My parents have always actually owned their own business as well. So I guess we sort of grew up around that. Um, And then they had kind of, as they got a bit older, they'd moved out of that. My dad was a golf pro. And so he worked giving golf lessons and things like that in a golf shop. And my mum's like, exactly like Sam. That's where he gets it from, can sell anything to anyone. And so she was in a sales role. So yeah, we just took them out of where they were and put them in with us. (laughs) So cool. I hired my mum in my business this year as well, so I can kind of relate. It's really special. It's really cool. And it's cool for them to see, to understand what it is that we do as well. Yeah, exactly. I think it's good as well. It's that extra trust. Like sometimes when you have new staff or new people, like they don't treat their business as much as it is yours, whereas your parents are always going to do that. You can trust everything that they're doing is like your best interest as well. So it's nice. It's pretty special. It's pretty special. Yeah, and also like we work so much. If they weren't working here, we'd probably never see them. So it's probably <laughs> comedian that they're here. <laughs> it's so true. Like my other sisters are like, oh, we should catch up. I'm like, oh, I speak with mum like every day on the phone about business stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> so, Cody, I'd love to hear about your stationary line. Tell us about it. What does it focus on? Who is it for? And why did you create it? Well, I guess I've always been like a stationary addict. I have like way too many notebooks and things. For, <laughs> yeah. I don't have enough notes. You know what I mean? Like it's yes. like 50 million pens. And there's like different <laughs> journals and like there's all these different list things. And I'm always like collecting the perfect thing and nothing ever really felt quite right. Like especially when it comes to a diary, which is my ultimate goal to make the perfect diary, um, that I've just never quite had things that met my needs. And sort of over time, the more businesses that we've had, the more I realize that like a, a blank notebook 
could take so much time to fill out all the things that you do in every meeting or, you know what I mean? It's like you're doing all these headings every single page and it's like I just need something that's like a template that I can just have it and it's ready to go. And so after the sort of the cancer diagnosis, I decided to become obviously, you know, you hear that you might die you become very like reflective of like, what am I doing? Where am I going? And it kind of woke me up a little bit and gave me more of a passion for life, I guess I would say. And because like I'm passionate about business, that's how that sort of manifested, I guess. And I was like, you know, I want to sort of have my own thing as well that I'm really passionate about. And so the stationery was just a really natural thing for me because I talk about it on my Instagram all of the time. And everyone messages me like, oh, which diary do you use? Which pens do you recommend? Like, so it was just like a really natural thing for me to do. And so I kind of decided on a whim, like, oh, maybe I'll start my own, maybe I'll do it next year. And that was in around September. And then my brother, Sam, as always, the business mind, he was like, why are you waiting until next year? Just start right now. Like, what are you waiting for? And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And then I realized that Black Friday is our biggest time of year for James Cosmetics. We basically work the entire year up to that point because it's the biggest thing for us the whole year. And so I knew I couldn't launch my product around that time, I had to go before it. So this is like now mid-September and I have to make sure I go before like mid-November. So I just had to hustle and make it work. I just knew that I had to make sure I got it in before Christmas, got it in before the Black Friday sales. So it was just like, you know, thankfully with our business, I already know lots of, you know, printers and all that kind of stuff. So I was lucky that those relationships I had built for a long time. We work in influencer marketing. So I know I'm friends with a lot of influencers. I'm very you know, thankful and lucky that I get to send my stationery pad to an influencer and they're going to post it because they have a relationship with me, which I have built for many years. So although like, yes, I did it in 45 days, I've been building this for some time. Yes. Yes. And that's it. It's kind of the whole, and I love that Emily Skye spoke about this on our podcast episode. She's like, you know, I think someone referred to her once as an overnight success. She's like, hang on a minute. I started blogging like, I don't know, it was like 10 years ago or something. So Yeah, exactly. There's a the groundwork that's been put. And even with, um, so one of my best-selling products is like a quote calendar and it's like a flip thing that you turn over every day, like a new quote. And for like the last year, I've been using like a Kiki K, like choosing like a thought of the day on my Insta story and a uh, seize the yay uh, quote flipper. And so every day, the first thing I put on my Instagram is me flipping over like a new thought of the day. So I did that for a year. So then when I released my own, everyone was like, now I want that. So it's like, although it was 45 days, I designed everything, got everything printed and had it up for sale. I've been putting like the groundwork in for some time without even kind of realizing it, I guess. That's really cool. And that's really cool because that can often be where the best business ideas come from because it's something that you just were obsessed with anyway. And there was that market there because you found that gap. It's like, hang on a minute. Like you said, around those journals, you're like, I wish that I had a template in a journal. So you created something. Exactly. And even with the Spin Studio Network, the podcasting network we own, I'm really passionate about podcasts. I'm obsessed with podcasting. And so my brother was just like, let's start a podcast network. It's always kind of come from something that we've always really enjoyed or, you know, that's something that we're passionate about. So that's kind of how we always start things. And then, you know, Sam was like, skincare. We're obsessed with skincare. Let's do our own skincare, you know. <laughs> Sounds like Sam has some very good big ideas. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> You're like, hang on, Sam, calm down, calm down. Yeah, I'm no, just along the ride. <laughs> So let's chat about productivity. Like, oh my goodness, 
how do you get the things done? What are some of your hacks or your tips or your your own strategies for productivity with all the things that you do? Well, I think for me, given that I have so many moving pieces that are so different, you know, one day I could be sitting down social scheduling, the next day I could be on set directing, you know, a photo shoot, or then I could be in like a marketing meeting. Everything can be so different that it's like prioritizing is like the number one thing and getting to know how long it takes you to do certain tasks and how you work best. So I know that I don't work creatively under time pressures. So I can't say like from 1 till 2 p.m. today I'll do a brainstorm because I know that's not going to work. So it's about sort of getting to know yourself. I think that, you know, time management is important, but self-management is just as important. And so, you know, knowing your triggers that make you feel more stressed. So I know for me that, you know, when I feel really stressed, I need to feel in control. So writing out a list and crossing it off, just the simple process of crossing that off makes me feel more in control. So if I'm feeling hyper-stressed, I will write literally everything down, even if it's the tiniest thing. And normally I wouldn't write it down, but it's the thing of writing it down and crossing it off that makes me feel more in control. So it's that self-management thing that I do. And also I always make sure that I take 15, 10, 15 minutes, either the morning of or the night before to plan out my day and sit down and think about what I need to do rather than as I'm going through it, because that's when you forget things. And so, yeah, that's kind of like the main things for me. I always on a Sunday night will sit down for about 30 minutes and think about like what's happening in the week ahead and sort of try to forward plan as much as you can. In my job, you do have to be very flexible. So I try to have my priorities at the start of the day, get them done so that if, you know, there's a spanner thrown in the works, I've still got my top priorities finished for the day. No, that makes a lot of sense. Has, I guess that changed over time. Did you used to do business and work and productivity in a different way? And you're like, hang on a minute, that's not working for me. Yeah, I definitely used to rely on my memory a lot and not write things down like task wise. And then I realized that when I would become stressed, that I would forget a lot of the little details. And so that was that became an issue where I had to make sure that I was writing things down. Um, and yeah, I think over time, you just sort of figure out like the way that I'm doing that is not working. Like I was writing appointments in my diary, not on the computer. And then I realized when I was out and about and I didn't have my yes. diary, I'm like, where am I supposed to be? <laughs> yes. You know, and then I was trying to put like my actual like, you know, like do social scheduling at this time, do this at this time in my computer, but it just wasn't feeling as as good as writing it down. So in some ways I like to write, some things like to be on the computer and I had to just figure out that balance about what works for me. And then I also, another big game changer for me was, you know, in previous years, I like to write things down and I always took notes in meetings written. I don't type them up. And then I was finding that when I needed those notes again, it's like, where's that piece of paper? Which notebook Which was it in? Which notepad was it in? <laughs> yeah. And so what I then did was I bought an Apple pencil with my iPad. So now I'm still writing them down, but now it links across to my phone, my computer, my iPad. So no matter where I am, I can still get my notes from the meeting. And so it meant that it was still like, you know, technologically advanced, like it was still in the future or not, you know, in the current time, not writing everything down. But I still I was able to write things down because that's how I sort of sink in my brain a bit more, writing things down. And so I just, you know, you just got to find what works for you. 
that's it. You've got to find what works. And for some people, it's the writing, other people, whether it's, I don't know, audio message to themselves. I was, when you were talking about writing things and then crossing them out, I was laughing because my fiance Coden, he does the same. He writes everything down, but instead of like crossing it out, he does like 10 crosses through it. I'm like, this is so aggressive, honey. Like, come on. <laughs> really getting that satisfaction out of it. <laughs> He's really making the most of that. Well, I actually had an employee that I've worked with in the past that she, at another job, she would write everything down and then cross it out really aggressively because she didn't want to see what it said and she's because then she'd keep thinking about it. So she was like, I need to fully cross it out to get it out of my mind. I was like, wow, your page is like really aggressive. Yeah, I know. Maybe that's what he's doing. I'll have to, I'll have to check in with him. When it comes to uh, prioritizing, how do you figure out what to prioritize? It's a little bit different if you're like a staff member perhaps, but for me, because so many people are relying on what I do, I tend to try to prioritize what other people need from me first. So I'll often say in the office, does anyone need anything from me? Is anyone waiting on anything from me? Because I find that otherwise I have people at my desk all day being like, oh, hey, Courtney, I'm just waiting on this. And then that isn't very good for me to be productive. So although sometimes it's not my number one priority, to be able to get someone off my back (laughs) is a high priority for me for my self-management. So I sort of tend to prioritize ones where other people are waiting on me to do something so they can continue their job. And that's what works best, I feel. And I also like to get out of the way things that I know I'm going to have to do. So things like social scheduling, I try to do at the start of the week, get it over and done with. I know it's going to happen every single week. It's always there. So I try to get those out of the way. So then I have all my other stuff that I can focus on later. So for me, it's not always the most important thing. Obviously, if something is super important, it comes up, I do that. But because there's so much change in my job, I have to be so flexible. I have to kind of put these boundaries around, you know, the things that, you know, are going to make my life a bit easier, I guess. I like that. So it sounds as though those weekly tasks that you know that have to be done, you're like, let's just start, let's just get them done at the start of the week because then at least they're, they're out the way. I really Bang like them that. out because otherwise if I wait till the end of the week, at one point I was doing, you know, social scheduling stuff towards the end of the week. And then I realized that if the week got away from me, then I'm doing this massive task at the end of the week. And it's like, oh my God, I don't have time to do it. I was spending my weekends doing it because I was never catching up. So now I just try and get that out of the way. I know it has to happen every week. So I get it off, you know, off my task list and then I can move on and do everything else. Very smart. I like that a lot. How many years have you been in business now with Spinning Co? When did that uh, Eight years. It was uh, earlier this year. So congratulations. Yeah, exciting. congratulations. I actually feel very old. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's such a feat though to make it to eight years. So you should be super proud. Yeah, I mean, this year's definitely been an interesting one, that's for sure, with COVID, I think, for everyone. But yeah, it's been, um, yeah, a great eight years. What do you think some key decisions or moments have been over those eight years that have kept you going for eight years and that have really built on your success? Um, I think for us, the the biggest thing that we've sort of, that set us apart, I guess, is that we um, have always gone above and beyond for our clients. That was sort of where we always started. We're very close with all of our clients, the point where now we call most of them friends, or at least someone in the position that's our liaison is like a close friend. So we don't have like thousands of clients, but the ones that we do, we keep for a long time and we build those relationships for years. Um, and so we always go above and beyond for them. And they're not, we're not the kind of agency that's like, oh, you've got your eight hours for the week. So now it's $125 an hour for every other thing that we do for you. We're not like that. We're like, this is how much we charge and what you need is what we'll do. And so that's always worked really good for us. And I think the other thing is always 
growing and staying relevant. Like we're always checking what the trends are, what the changes are. You know, if we just stayed in traditional PR, we'd be dead by now. You know what I mean? Because that's not, you know, the industry is changing. You need to add digital marketing. You need to know what you're doing with social media. You know, like we're learning about TikTok now, about Reels, all of these things that you have to constantly stay on top of. And so, you know, I think that one of the things for us that's been key is that we're always growing, changing, being flexible and moving with the times. And I think that's really important. There's no point in you know being stubborn and staying stuck. You've got to move with the times, otherwise you're dead. You know. So I think those have probably been the big the big things for us. And also, I think one of the hardest things for a business is that you can't get more clients unless you get more staff. But you can't get more staff unless you get more clients. And it's always that very difficult balance of do we hire more? What do we do? So in the early years, Sam and I just did everything very hands-on as much as we could because we didn't want to overextend ourselves with, you know, it's easy when you get your first big clients to be like, let's get staff, let's get a new office. You know what I mean? And like really go lavish. And then all of a sudden you lose that client. And then what do you do? So we, we really like just pumped out as much as we could personally to make sure that we were in a really good, safe position to be able to hire staff because we don't want to have one high turnover, you know, of staff or clients. Then we don't want to put ourselves in a bad position. So I think we've had a really good balance of the growth that we've had. You know, I think it was for like the first four or five years, there was only like four or five of us. And now, you know, today there's 25. So wow, I think we've hired like just this year, like seven right kind of people. Oh yeah. It's like this year's been a bit of big growth year for us. Oh, how amazing. So, yeah, so it's pretty exciting. How amazing. What have you found the most challenging just for yourself over being a business owner and growing your businesses? I think that the hardest thing for me was always the risk taking and just, you know, like fully backing that Sam knew what he was doing. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, and that that can be scary when it's not some way, you know, when you're not naturally inclined to do that. And yeah, it just has been that scary thing of like, you know, you know, as I said, we lived at home with our parents, like, do we move out yet and get that rent? Cause that's adding something else. Do we get an office? Do we upgrade the office? Do we get the staff? You know, like all of those things, like, do we upgrade our services that are now like a monthly burden to pay these extra services that you need for technology or whatever it is? You know, it's all those kinds of things that can make it really difficult. And I think also another hard thing for businesses is finding the right staff as I've said, like we hired our parents and, you know, the staff that we originally had with us were close friends or friends of friends, people that we knew in our inner circle. We used to basically only hire within our inner circle. And now, you know, you need to sort of go outside that, you know, our friends, (laughs) we've tapped out there. (laughs) So we had to like sort of, and that is scary to bring in these other personalities into a environment of such close-knit people to bring in these um, different personalities to see how that changes the balance. And that can be scary for a business because the more, you know, staff, the more problems that you have. That's just naturally how it works. And so that can be a scary thing. So it's been really balancing skill set as well as making sure that they're like a cultural fit in our office that, you know, that they get, you know, that we watch the Kardashians. You know what I mean? We're kind of a Kardashian <laughs> hater in here, Emily. <laughs> Crap. Okay. Well, I can't come then. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> do do you like a I mean? bit like of a we watch. Like to have, yeah. So we like to have people that like have, you know, they, they get how we yeah. are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Sam is a very big personality and um, he kind of, I, we're also both very brutally honest. And so we need to have people that can sort of, you know, roll with the the punches here with us um, to make sure that they fit in with who we are. And we have, we have staff from all over the world as well. It doesn't have to be like, they don't have to be exactly like us, but they need to be like 
get the way our sarcasm and our joke, you know what I mean, just like kind of fit in with us. And that can be hard sometimes when people want like a very, you know, they come from like a financial background or something like that. It's a very professional, like straight up and down workplace. We like to have fun here and we've, you know, we've got the Christmas carols going on all the time and, you know, Sam's obsessed with Celine Dion so he'll walk out singing (laughs) Celine Dion. You know what I mean? Like it's a bit of fun. I make them play games for energizers every week, you know. So we we need just need people that are similar to us. I think that's key for a business to make sure that people fit within your team because otherwise it like, you know, people feel like they're walking on eggshells and then people aren't comfortable. So that's been a big thing for us too. Sounds like such a great culture that you really, yeah, you really uh, purposefully create as well and look after. So it's really, really cool. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, Sam and I had worked in so many businesses in the past where we were like, oh God, this is not how we do it, (laughs) you know? And so I think we'd learned, we we came from a telemarketing background, both of us, you know, from when we were really young, and that can be a, a very full-on environment and, you know, you don't always get treated the best in those businesses. And so we had worked in jobs where we saw the way that, you know, management treated their staff just as a number and a way to make money. And that was the example of what we didn't want to do. We wanted our staff to feel valued and part of our business and, you know, want to come to work every day, not dragging themselves out of bed, you know. Oh, so good. And I loved what you said um, earlier, just about those risks taking and also like, you know, is this the right time to do this? Should we do this? And it's hard because there's no, like, there's no right answer and there's no manual. Like there's no specific path for you to be like, okay, now we do this. Now we do this. So yeah, I totally understand. It's just like, oh. (laughs) Yeah. And especially since we are always trying to be ahead in the things that we do. So for instance, we started the Spin Studio Network, the podcasting network last year. And whilst podcasts are very big in America, they hadn't really been that big with smaller, you know, obviously Mamma Mia does them, like the big companies are doing them. But, you know, we could see that that was something, you know, advertising was going to grow within Australia in the podcasting space. So we wanted to jump on it straight away. But because you're, if you're jumping on things that are new, there's no roadmap, you know, you're learning these new things. It's like, you know, is TikTok going to stay around? Who knows? Is it big? It's going to, you know, now obviously it is, but in the initial stages, it's like, do we jump on this? What do we do? You know, it's all that kind of stuff that it can be scary because there's no roadmap. That's it. And that's entrepreneurship, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Lucky it's Sam. That's that's the stress he deals with. (laughs) I manage the staff here. That's what I like to do. (laughs) So good. So what would be one thing looking back that you would have loved to know when you were just starting out that would have served you well? I think for me, because as I've spoken about my mindset with the risks and stuff is that no matter how much you plan for something, something is always going to change and something will probably always go wrong. And so I think for me at the start, being really inflexible was really difficult because I'm, you know, I'm a very structured kind of person. And it's like, you know, at nine, we do this, at two, we do this. And when everything sort of, you know, we have a plan for how an event's going to run and then, you know, that person doesn't arrive or there's an, an accident on the M1, everyone's delayed by 30 minutes getting to an event. Like there are things you can't always account for. And those are the things that are always going to go wrong and go happen. You can't troubleshoot for every single thing that's going to happen, you know, whether it's at a photo shoot and, you know, we didn't realize that the, the fog machine just all of a sudden, the smoke machine just stopped working. It was like, wow, God, what's happened? You know, it's just those kinds of little things that you don't always like think about. I think that you have to really learn to roll with the punches. I think that's probably what I would tell myself, like roll with the punches, don't be inflexible because sometimes when you over plan things, it makes you feel like you can't change anything on the fly. And that's when I think that it causes a lot more stress because you can't figure out how to hustle and, 
you know, pivot basically. So I think that's what I would say, like something will go wrong. So just like roll with it when it happens. Like you're capable of dealing with shit. So just keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Such good advice. Being flexible and just knowing stuff's going to happen. So, you know, just part of it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Now it's just like we're expecting it. It's like what's going to happen here? Like let's just wait and see. We take bets for like what's the thing that's going to go wrong this time? You know (laughs) what I mean? Like there's always something. It's like it's just putting out fires, putting out fires, coming up with solutions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you can't plan for if you run an event and then the MC gets laryngitis the night before. You know what I mean? Like you can't plan for these things. Uh, Courtney, it's been so, so great to chat with you. Thank you so much for sitting down and taking time out of your day. Where can everyone go to find you and also your beautiful stationery company? Um, Well, I'm on Instagram and I'm at Courtney Mangan and my Instagram is for my stationery at Courtney Mangan Co. So you can head there to... That's just if you're interested. And I also have my own podcast, which is She Was the Fire. So I talk about like this kind of stuff and, you know, cancer stuff and confidence and all that kind of thing. Sounds like such a such great podcast. Well, thank you so much. It's been so great to chat with you and we'll do it again soon. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely. A quick reminder, if you haven't already, make sure that you head on over to emilyosman.com forward slash free and get your name down for my free online Instagram strategy workshop that's coming up in one week's time. I can't wait to see you there.